All right. The title of our message today is Don't Let Us Yield to Temptation. This is part six in a message series that we've been on looking at the Lord's Prayer, which is helpful, which really makes a difference, which helps us understand God, helps us understand ourselves, helps us have a conversation with God that is life-giving, that is productive, that's meaningful. Um, And prayer is that conversation with God. It's relationship moments. It's interaction. It's a personal relationship with God. And looking at scripture helps us have a conversation with the real God, not a God that we've made up in our own imagination. And we say City Harbor Church is a safe place to find and follow Jesus. And I'm thankful to learn from the words of Jesus written down by the people that were following him in person when he walked the earth. They saw God endorse Jesus Christ as Savior, as Messiah, as Son of God through miracles. People raised from the dead, healing miracles, financial provision miracles. They saw those miracles and they heard Jesus teach truth that was life-giving, that brought them freedom, grace, forgiveness of God, salvation, a, a fresh start, a new spiritual heart, the hope of heaven in front of us for everyone who would believe. They were changed by that. They saw that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus would get alone and they, they asked him for guidance about how to pray. And we, we see that in Matthew chapter 6, it's written down. In Matthew 6, 6, he, Jesus essentially says, have some frequent private personal prayer time with God. And when you do, don't repeat words that are meaningless to you thinking that the repeated activity will get you what you want. Instead, pray like this. And and they followed his example. They had times of alone prayer, and they had times of group prayer, which we see, which we've talked about over the last couple months uh, in the book of Acts, right? So Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. You find that in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9 and in Luke chapter 11. Now, this is, it's a, it's a power tool. Have you ever tried to um, hang all the pictures in, in your, in your house uh, with just a handheld um, uh, screwdriver. Sometimes you want a power tool, your hand gets tired, right? Definitely going to want a power tool if you're building a house. As we're building life, as we're building our lives based on a relationship with God, we need power tools. And Jesus gives them language, uh, a pattern, something, and, and, and a habit that was very common to them in this day was that they would take some thoughts that were put together like this, that they had in scripture, they would memorize them. They would commit them to memory so that they could say them without reading them off the page. Because remember at that time, they didn't have a a phone that they could just read stuff off of. And and they didn't have a a tablet, an iPad, or even physical books in the same way that we do. Uh, You're talking about scrolls. You're talking about things having to be handwritten out so that you could have a copy, right? So a common practice for them was to memorize these words and then meditate on them 
take them apart, ask questions, have conversations with each other where they would ask questions about those sentences, about those thoughts that were put together that they had memorized. And they would meditate them on personally and privately and think about what they meant. And then what happened with Jesus' followers with this particular prayer is that they would memorize it, they would meditate on it, and this is what I'm suggesting that you do. Memorize this, and then start your morning focused on the love of God. Have a moment of silence where you just reflect on the truth that God loves you. God saved you because he loves you, right? You And then meditate on this prayer as a bridge to starting to pray through these specific words. You start, you pray through these specific words first, and then you use them like a springboard to jump off of, to start a conversation with God. Now, I want you to think about what if we're doing this and we come to this section of that is, <clears throat> don't let us, don't let us yield to temptation or lead us not into temptation. We don't start there, right? We start with God who is alive, who is in heaven. I praise you. I declare you are more powerful than anyone else. You know everything. You're overflowing with love. You are transcendent above it all. I'm praising you, God, right? You are pure without weakness, without defect, without fault. I'm lifting up your name and I'm submitting to you, realizing that your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. I trust you, right? I'm submitting to God. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in the whole earth as it is in heaven, in every area of my life as it is in heaven. And then out of this gratitude and trust, give us each day the, the food that we need. And then what we've also just prayed is forgive us for where we've made mistakes, where we have been in the wrong. Forgive us as we forgive those who have wronged us. We've processed that and that was our last message and that's powerful and it only happens when we are connected to the God who is more powerful than us. Really important. Jesus doesn't tell us to do that out of our own strength. And that's why memorizing this, meditating on it as a foundation for your conversation is so essential to you having a meaningful conversation with God, to you drawing spiritual power from God's strength, and to you being able to even pray these things and then walk them out, growing spiritually, becoming more healthy. So we've already prayed that, and forgive me as I forgive, right? And that puts us in a place in our relationship with God where now we have a clean slate. Now we've been forgiven. We're not no longer in guilt and shame, right? So now we have this clean slate, this opportunity to walk in purity. It puts us at that place in our relationship with God. So that's where we pray, don't let us yield to temptation or lead us not into temptation. Remember, Jesus taught us to pray that sentence, that phrase, that thought, that emotion. Jesus taught us to pray this. And so if you're not praying this, it's not a good idea. Because what we should be praying is, hey, God, I'm following you. I'm following you. I'm following the example of Jesus. Please guide me away from temptation. Now, what is temptation? It's an attempt to cause us to sin. Sin is to miss the mark of God's love, God's pure love, which is faithful, patient, and kind. When we are not that way, we're out of order. We've missed the mark. We're something other than the purity of God's love, right? So temptation is an attempt to cause us 
to go away, to go astray from that, right? To miss that. It's an attempt to lead us into a web of thoughts, emotions, desires, motives, words, actions that bring damage to ourselves and damage to others. It's, it's trying to get us into that. And you, you've, there's an enemy of your soul that is trying to pull you into that, trying to tempt you into that in the same way that the enemy came and tempted Jesus, right? Temptation is an attempt to bring um, to bring us into a state of disorder in our spiritual heart, where our values, our priorities are out of order, and where things get mixed up, and, and mixture brings in a, a poison of painfulness that is toxic selfishness. So we're saying, God, forgive me as I forgive others, cleanse me, make me free from, free from all that, so I don't, I'm not compelled to repeat those mistakes. And don't guide me back into a, 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 that way. Don't let me be led in a way to be tempted to repeat those mistakes and toxic selfishness. In, in the book we, we've been uh, quoting and looking at just entitled Prayer from Timothy Keller says this. To enter into temptation, as Jesus termed it, is to entertain and consider the prospect of giving into sin. God, don't let me entertain that. Consider the prospect of going into sin, going in that direction, right? Because we've walked in repentance, a turning away from toxic selfishness and turning to a wholehearted devotion to God. A little further understanding of this kind of temptation might be temptation to wealth, strength, ability, honor that causes us to think we don't need God. We can fall into that trap. We can be tempted to fall into that trap. Just to be around people that uh, that flatter us with their words, make us feel good about ourselves in a way that's not entirely true, not entirely healthy, and leads us to pride and, and, and feeling a sense of independence, like we don't really need God. God's not really all that important. Um, another one would be maybe uh, uh, in a different direction, a focus on what's jacked up, what's wrong, what's, where there's lack, where there's problems, where there's things that cause frustration for me or cause me to lose hope or cause me to be angry um, or even estranged from God, indifferent from God, um, out of anger or pain, disappointment, discouragement. We can move in a direction that is misguided, unreliable thoughts and emotions that lead us to toxic selfishness, to making mistakes, um, to, to hurting other people, right? Anything that would cause me to drift into centering my life on myself, my inordinate desires for other things. It's really common for, for humans, a human heart, there, there, there's no end to our desires, right? And some of our desires are good, but sometimes they go to extremes to a level that's not healthy. We have potential as humans to drift into that. And this prayer is saying, God, lead me away from that. Lead me away from anything that would cause me to drift into that. And we, I want to give us a couple of, of biblical thoughts that are connected to this that are helpful. First John chapter 5, verse 21, we could pray from it these words. God, please help me stay away from anything that might take your place in my heart. That's a really helpful prayer along these lines. What is God's place in our heart? Well, it should be number one. It should be highest priority, the most valued. And you think about the Lord of the Rings and Gollum and, and his obsession with the ring. 
He valued the ring above anything else. And that is how he lost his life. Spoiler alert. You know, Tolkien in, in interviewed um, said, hey, a lot of people think that I write these stories about other worlds, but I'm really writing about our world. Each of us have the opportunity, have the potential to value something, someone, some relationship, something in life more than we value God. That is dangerous. And what we see is incredibly valuable lessons learned on the flip side of that. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. If I'm setting my focus on, setting my desire on, if I'm valuing, if my affection, if my love, if my commitment, if my devotion is focused on God, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to reshape my desires, my dreams, my plans. And there is where we find fulfillment, God giving us the desires of our heart. One of the things that I do in life and in specific seasons is have a longer time of prayer set aside around this type of prayer of, of, of inspection, of evaluation, of God's evaluation. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We see evidence that Jesus prayed the Psalms and his followers did too. This pattern they would meditate on. They would think about these things. And, and this is a, God, would you guide me, search me, examine every area of my life, my spiritual heart, my thoughts and emotions, my dreams, my desires, my plans. God, search me. Point out to me anything that offends you. Lead me on the path of life. I think that's where Jesus pointed out the things that are most important. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus gives us spiritual priorities that are life-giving, that are helpful, that are fulfilling, that bring about peace strength and joy that is next level that's like a miracle that like couldn't happen out of your own strength but he's sourcing this to where god spoke exodus chapter 20 and verse 3 you must not have any other god but me nothing should have your worship your value your priority above the one true living god now that can be really hard because we can have trust issues and in a couple messages back we talked about that a little bit. And we, even just in the saying, hey God, your kingdom come, your will be done. We have been <clears throat> maybe abandoned by people, maybe abused by people, misvalued, taken for granted or, or hurt by people. And we can relate to God as though God is human and capable of doing the same thing, as though God has done the same thing, even though God has not. But we actually see that Jesus prayed, God, not my will, Father God, one true living God, but your will be done. We see it, it's the one part of the prayer that Jesus himself prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane under circumstances far more crushing than any of us will ever face. In Matthew 26, 39, Mark 14, Luke 22 is written down multiple times because it was so important. Here's what Tim... Here's 
Here's what Tim Keller says about that prayer of submission, about Jesus' prayer of submission. He submitted to the Father's will rather than following his own desires, and it saved us. That's why we can trust him. Jesus is not asking us to do anything for him that he hasn't already done for us under conditions of difficulty beyond our comprehension. I believe true peace comes through this kind of committed, trusting relationship with God, submitting to his will. It's the only way um, that we can find that peace. And it is the opposite of when we are trying to control our circumstances, our lives, or other people. Trying to make everything the way that we think it should be. And that's where I think Reinhold Niebuhr gets it right in the serenity prayer in asking God for life-changing peace and spiritual strength. That's what serenity means. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. This prayer of submission is, God, guide me in the way. Guide me in your way, in your peace, in your life, in your truth. God, guide me into what you know is best for me. And I got to take this sinful world as it is. And that includes my own desires. Help me to identify what's going on inside of me and come to you with a humble submission where I can find real peace, real spiritual strength. This prayer is a way of saying, God, guide me in the, in your path. I submit to you. And, and this is where the early believers, they believed this. They walked it out. It was real to them. We see it in Philippians chapter one of verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Listen, when I've received the forgiveness that comes through Jesus, I'm a citizen of heaven. This temporary world, this temporary earth, and, and, and all of its ways, policies, parties, things, that's not what's going to last forever. That's not what's most important. Now I realize my identity. I'm a child of God. I've been given spiritual life through God, and I'm going to live forever. And my forever life is more important than this temporary natural physical life. You're a citizen of heaven. And so I, need, I want to act in a way that is appropriate to that, that's related to that. And I know this is not easy because all of us can have um, selfish tendencies. We are the most important thing to us, right? And... We can get caught up in cycles of mistakes that we repeat over and over. A toxic selfishness, uh, choosing thoughts and emotions and words and actions that cause damage to ourselves and damage to other people. And those things get heavy, but they really feel like they're a part of us. They're a part of how we have viewed ourselves in the past, how other people have viewed us, and maybe even other people have complimented us for things that are a part of toxic selfishness. And they can become a part of our identity. They can be a part of feeling compelled. I'm compelled. I'm always going to be this way. I'm always going to make these mistakes. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because of Jesus, there's new spiritual life. You are a new spiritual being, a new spiritual creation. There's a new spiritual person in you. 
This new life is possible. And we should be motivated that out of a thank you to God for all that he's done for us, that we want to live new and fresh and different. And that's the context that Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 is written in that's relevant to this. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. That's all the people that have already passed on to heaven that are observing our life here on earth. Let us strip off every weight. Let us throw off, get rid of, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. What is that for you? What is the thing that you default to that is hard, the thing that is hardest for you to overcome the temptation of? Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Look at how Father God has honored Jesus. Look at the fulfillment that Jesus is already experiencing after having made these decisions, after having lived life this way. Don't you think God is also waiting for that moment to reward us, to bless us, to favor us in heaven as co-heirs with Christ to this eternal life of peace. We can throw off these mistakes that so easily trip us up. How? By putting our eyes on Jesus, being more focused on Jesus than anything else. I think that's how Jesus, the followers of Jesus, probably did pray Psalm 23 with the beginning focus of let the Lord be my shepherd. I'm going to follow the guidance of God. It's going to lead me away from anything that would take the place of God in my life. Listen, the scriptures that we just read are packed with powerful truth that can help change your life, that are the way in which we can draw on the spiritual power of God. You are only going to be discouraged and depressed in repeating the mistakes of the past, toxic selfishness, damaging yourself, damaging other people. If you try to do everything out of your own strength, don't do that. That's a mistake. Receive the forgiveness that God has for you through Jesus. Make a decision to take steps in this direction. Pray, God, don't let me yield to temptation. God, help me. Don't lead me in the way of considering temptation. Lead me in your path of life, right? God, lead me in that path. Give me the strength. Shape my character. Mold me, God, in the way that you want me to be. Help me, God, to live this new spiritual life. And I, I think that one thing that would be really helpful to you you can find cityharborchurch.com slash messages, the notes for this with the list of scriptures. This group of scriptures can help you pray this prayer and see spiritual power in your life that wasn't there before. Spiritual strength in your life that wasn't there before. You can draw from it from God. Be changed for the good in memorizing and meditating on this prayer and quoting these scriptures. And that's what we get this idea from 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. You could pray, I will let these words be my weapons as I fight. 
in any spiritual struggle, which we'll talk a little bit more about in the next message, the words of God, the scriptures, when I pray those scriptures, there is power. When I engage with them, when I get into them, when I meditate on the meaning of the truth, when I get my faith linked up with what God is already doing, spiritual strength is possible. Spiritual freedom so that you are not compelled to repeat the mistakes of the past. You are literally a new person. You are who God says you are. You are a child of God with a new sense of identity, experiencing peace, experiencing joy. These things are possible using the scripture, memorizing it, meditating on it, praying it is a life-giving way. Write it down. Writing out the words of scripture helps get it into our system, helps us memorize it. Remember, set aside frequent time, private space where you're not going to be interrupted. Use whatever method. Sometimes I really do like to use just the hard copies, right? The hard copies of the scripture and then where I'm writing, writing down the different, uh, the different scriptures, it helps me meditate on them. And that, in that way, for that time, I put aside everything with a screen that has a notification, a buzz, an interruption into my life. I'm putting all those things aside, putting all those things away. So I have an uninterrupted time for the most important relationship in my life. And that's the relationship with God. I come into prayer, relationship moments personal interaction with God. And when I memorize the scripture, I'm reflecting on it, that it brings new spiritual power into my life. And that's where real change happens. Real peace happens. Freedom in life, creativity in life. Something new is possible in that way. Would you allow me to uh, pray for you today? God, I thank you. This is true. Lord, and We do. We just pray, God, you are worthy of our praise. We submit to you. We want to see your kingdom and your will done. We thank you for the way you have provided for us. We ask you to continue to provide for us. Lord, would you indeed bring miracles to my friends, to my spiritual family? God, we also pray, would you forgive us for where we've been wrong? As we forgive those who've wronged us. And God... Lead us not into temptation. Help us to not yield to temptation. Help us, God, lead us away from it. Lead us in your path. Help us to focus on Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Lead us into your path, God, that we would follow your path because we know that there is real peace. God, we need your help with this. I'm asking, would you help my friends, my my spiritual family with this? Help us to grow as we memorize this prayer, as we meditate on this prayer, as we set ourselves aside for these priority relationship time with you, that it would be life-giving to us and that we would get together talking with each other about what we're learning from it. I thank you, God, for who you are, for all that you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen.